Welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I speak to the Catholic behind the count. Today I'm speaking with Nate Tanner-Williams, who is currently studying at Xavier University of Louisiana. Uh, he regularly contributes at where Peter is. He has contributed at Word on Fire, which is Archbishop Robert Barron's, uh, you know, apostolate. Um, and he's also, a, you know, a great Black Catholic reader and he just studies up on everything that he can on this topic so i definitely thank him for coming on and you know sharing his faith journey and talking about his illustrious uh singing career <laughs> <laughs> illustrious i like that yeah 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 um but from what i know how we got acquainted i always start this off on how we got acquainted i remember um probably at the end of 2019 I said, I reached out to you and then we were just talking a little bit and I just mentioned, you know, I hope, uh, you know, God, you know, crosses our paths one day. And so uh, I know we've always, you know, somewhat, somewhat kept in touch uh, during that time, whether that's to just mutual, you know, con conversation or just like comments and stuff like that. So I'm glad uh, the Lord, you know, finally put us on this path to, you know, talk about the faith and, you know, how we interact with our, how we put our faith in, in work. So uh, I, from what I know, you are, you're a convert, right? That's correct. So why don't you share your, your conversion story, like what your upbringing was like, uh, middle school years, and how that led you to where you are now? Yeah, uh, so I was raised Baptist. My dad's actually a, a preacher, so I'm a PK. Uh, I was raised in multiple different denominations, but mostly, well, I can't even say mostly, but black denominations when I was younger, and then kind of more diverse denominations uh, when I was in middle school and high school. Um, and then in college, I mostly was non-denominational, a little Pentecostal, you know how, you know how things can be in non-denominational world. And then, uh, couple years after college, I uh, started exploring some other forms of Christianity. I visited a Eastern Orthodox church. Uh, this was two Christmases ago, Christmas 2018. And I kind of got fascinated with the history. I heard bits and pieces about Catholicism and Orthodoxy, especially when I was studying religion uh, in college. But uh, never explored it until then and after about a couple months of meeting with an orthodox priest i was like okay i think i'm on board with the saints and church history and, and all that good stuff and i started to explore catholicism as well because i figured if orthodoxy is okay then catholicism at least deserves a little research and uh after i did a lot of reading about catholicism i discovered black catholicism and that kind of sold me even after I was intellectually convinced, I guess you could say. And yeah, nine months after I started attending mass, I got confirmed. That was December, 2019. Yeah, yeah, welcome. So I noticed that you mentioned about the, the similar, I guess it was like somewhat similarities between Eastern Orthodoxy and uh, Catholicism. And you know, I think the Eastern church has a lot of beauty. So what were some things that you, uh, I mean, Eastern rites, not the Eastern church, but the Eastern rites have a lot of, you know, good things that are admirable and definitely uh, attractive. What were some things that you saw that were uh, noticeable between, or just some things that you admired about the Eastern Orthodox uh, 
religion? I think for me it was uh, it was a good bridge by which I could understand stuff that was very offensive to me about Catholicism. So growing up, I grew up in a town that was probably half Catholic, but I always had a very negative view of it because of, you know, the typical stuff. They got statues, they worship Mary, they, they're white, they're all white. Just a lot of stereotypes that weren't necessarily true. And orthodoxy kind of shifted a lot of those things for me. You go into an orthodox church, they're not going to have statues. Uh, they, they reference Mary just as highly as Catholics, but it's, it's explained often in a different way than Catholics explain it. And that was, I think, what I needed in order to understand it because I had such a negative view built into my head because of uh, misconceptions about Catholicism. So after meeting with that priest and reading about orthodoxy, it, it opened my eyes to how those doctrines actually work. And uh, yeah, I loved uh, other things about it as well. The singing is awesome. Uh, some of their traditions that differ from Protestantism and Catholicism are just fascinating. Like even the way you move during a liturgy, an Eastern liturgy, like the bowing and frequent crossing of yourself, more so than in a mass. Like all those kinds of things are all really cool to me. Um, and yeah, it just, it opened my eyes. And now I'm in the, the Catholic fold, the Catholic end of things. Although for a while I was, Eastern Catholic, I was attending Eastern Catholic services. So that was kind of my second half of the bridge was Eastern Catholicism. And then it was just Western Catholicism and Black Catholicism. All that was that like a Byzantine or like Chaldean? Byzantine, yeah. It was the same liturgy that I had been attending in the Eastern Orthodox Church, both were Byzantine. Hmm. So you mentioned, I mean, this, this priest who was influential in your um, you know, conversion. Did you have any, or was he like the foremost, you know, influential, memorable person on your faith journey? Or did you have any memorable moments on your conversion to the Catholic Church? Probably a lot of memorable moments, but he was definitely the guy that transformed me doctrinally speaking. And he told me there were certain books that I should read and just gave me a different perspective on history. And... Yeah, after meeting with him for a couple months, it was Protestantism was, was kind of over for me. And so he was the most influential in that sense. But uh, I mean, reading uh, Matthew Kressler's book, Authentically Black and Truly Catholic, that was a monumental moment for me as far as Catholicism goes. After I read that book, I was like, wow, there's a lot to, to uh, a lot I needed to learn about how diverse Catholicism is. Cause even after I thought Catholicism was doctrinally correct, I still felt like culturally I was going to have to give something up. But that book, reading that book and talking to people about Black Catholicism and visiting a Black Catholic church for the first time, those were all monumental moments as well. So do you have any advice, RCI season coming up, any advice for anybody, you know, discerning or thinking about converting to the Catholic church? What would you say to them? Do it. <laughs> yeah, they need to they need to hop up in that RCIA class and uh, yeah, I mean, start meeting with a priest if, if they can find somebody who's willing to sit down and explain things and and also be in an RCIA class because uh, you know it's different for everybody. Not everybody needs the same catechesis, and they should definitely talk to somebody about 
what they need and specific questions that they have. Uh, that's what I did, at least. Right, right, right. Um, so now we're going to go into the human interest component. And, you know, at the beginning, I mentioned about your singing career. And so from what I noticed and, you know, I watched over the months and stuff like that, you normally focus or you normally seem like you normally perform like a lot of, you know, soul and like some blues singers and stuff like that. So I'm wondering, like, what got you into um, singing? Well, I got into singing originally when I was probably three or four years old. My mom was the choir director at my at my dad's church. So I don't think that my siblings and I really had a choice. So we were all faithful members of that ensemble. And while my siblings didn't necessarily stick to singing later on, I did. I kept singing in choirs throughout school and learning about all different kinds of genres. And uh, I'd say after I graduated from college, I got into into uh, jazz quite a bit. And so now I'd say I focus more on jazz and soul, which is what most of my online singing has to do with. And while I wouldn't call it a career, I don't think I'm ready to call my singing escapades a career yet. Um, that's mostly what I've been focusing on recently. Although since I moved, I haven't done much, and then COVID hit. So now is it difficult? Doing... Is it difficult to um, like sing in front of a group of people? Like, how easy was it to? I mean, you said you performed in church, so I'm sure they just that whole sense idea of performing in public. You just cross over to it's not you even know, not even something I think about at this point because it's yeah. been I've been doing it for so long. It's feels almost like second nature. But it's not, again, it's not something I'm doing like all of the time. Right, um, right, right. There's still an element of, of nervousness that comes up, but I don't think nervousness has affected my singing in in a couple decades. Yeah, and I saw that you did the, um, for your boy, your, your the, the wedding. Were you nervous? Like, at this venue? Like, wow, man, if I mess this up? Like, something like that? That might be the most <laughs> nervous I've ever been at an event while singing as an adult. So yeah, that was a lot of pressure because you know, you only you only get one wedding. Like <laughs> I sang in a jazz competition in the Bay Area recently and it's like I didn't win. I I you know, made mistakes I guess and but I can always come back again the next year and, right. and try again. But my friend's wedding, like you only get one shot, like Eminem said. So right, right, right. I had to do my thing. <laughs> what were some challenges that you faced when you started um, you know, experiencing when you started to, you know, start singing in like public venues or spaces? What were some challenges that you noticed? Well, audience is super important. You never know what people want. You can sing something that, that you know, you perform really well, but it isn't necessarily well received by the people who are hearing it. Mm -hmm. That was something I struggled with, do struggle with when singing jazz because jazz means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And if you sing jazz the wrong way, certain people are going to be like, that wasn't good, even if it was like good for what it was. Uh, so that's, that's probably the main thing that I have to think about now. It's like, you have to sing this a certain way. You got to know who you're singing to and sing it to them and for them. Uh, it's really important. Do you ever... What are some things that you gain from like singing? Like, 
do you gain anything from it besides just joy? Like, what are some personal things that you, you benefit from? Fame and fortune, of course. You know, now that I'm a millionaire from my singing, it's, it's awesome. Not really. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's cool that, in fact, you can have on people by singing. Like, like again, singing, nature, singing is like second nature for me, but for people that hear it sometimes, you know, one song will, like, change their whole day and just make them cry or something like that, which is still something I really don't understand. But, you know, I've come to the point where I realize whatever I'm singing can have a certain impact on people and make their day in some ways, and even more than their day. So uh, I guess something I get out of it is knowing that it's, it's impactful and that I can help people, make them happy, make them cry, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely impactful. So how do you, you know, insert your faith in to your singing career, or I mean, singing, singing out of it that you love. I'm, I'm working on that now. It's something that I've uh, not been able to flex my muscles much with since I've converted to Catholicism, but definitely something I'm, I'm trying to get more involved with. Again, COVID kind of threw everything up in the air as right. far as like music ministry. Uh, and I've been talking to some people about that. Like, it's crazy to think about how many Catholic musicians are struggling right now, uh, and Christian musicians in general, just because their whole career was traveling around and, and singing and ministering. But now that's YouTube only, Zoom only. So uh, hopefully once this all clears up, I can, I can get into that, that, uh, that scene, starting with joining the choir at my church, which everybody should do if they can sing. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I was going to say, was your first step, you know, singing at your local parish? Because I know you sometimes post stuff about like, uh, like jazz mass or Latin, like Latin jazz mass or something that you posted frequently a few times. Yes. Uh, so I haven't started singing at my parish yet because, well, I'm not going to make excuses. I'll just say, though, that I arrived here in New Orleans in February and then COVID hit within like a month and a half, two months. So. Right. I'm just gonna say I didn't have a chance to to join my parish choir yet, but that is number one on my list of priorities once the mass is back to to full scale again. But uh, but yeah, I mean that's not the only way that I can that I can use my gift too. I know that there's a lot of liturgical ministry and exploration going on in the Catholic Church and in the Black Catholic Church. So that's something that I want to do research on and also participate in, in the future. Yeah, most definitely. Well, that's going to conclude this episode of Saintly Witnesses. You guys can tune into the next episode uh, where we talk to uh, the Catholics across social media that are doing great things. (laughs) 